Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies, a podcast channel of New Books Network. I'm your host, Schneir Zalman Newfield. In recent years, many formerly ultra-Orthodox Jews have documented uh, leaving their communities in published stories, films, and memoirs. Um, the volume that we're going to talk about today um, talks about this movement, which is often identified as off the derech, or OTD, uh, meaning off the path, with the idea that the path is paved by Jewish law, rituals, and practices found within their birth communities. The collected volume entitled Off the Derech, Leaving Orthodox Judaism, edited by Ezra Capel and Jessica Lang, and published in 2020 by State University of New York Press, tells the powerful stories of people abandoning their religious communities and embarking on uncertain journeys towards new lives and identities within mainstream society, as well as academic analysis of this phenomenon. Uh, For this program today, we're joined by the two editors of the collection, plus two of its contributors. Ezra uh, Capel is professor of Jewish studies and English at the College of Charleston. Jessica Lang is professor of English and Jewish studies at Baruch College of the City University of New York. Uh, One of the contributors, Jericho Vincent, is a writer and lecturer and the author of the memoir, Cut Me Loose. Frida Weisel, another one of the contributors, is a a specialized tour guide in Jewish Brooklyn. Welcome uh, to all of you, and thanks so much for being here. Um, So to get started, uh, why don't we hear from Ezra? Why don't you start, talk, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to this project? Um, Well, uh, Zalman, thank you so much for for doing this. so this is a topic I've been very interested in for uh, a long time. I was raised uh, in an Orthodox uh, household. Uh, it was more modern Orthodox than ultra-Orthodox, and yet uh, I come from uh, various backgrounds on either side of my family. One side was Hasidish, Majitzer uh, Hasidim, on my father's side, on my mother's side. My grandfather, her father, uh, was uh, an Orthodox rabbi. Uh, who comes from, you know, uh, a Litvisha background. So um, we have, you know, a lot of these traditions of, of ultra-Orthodoxy on, on both sides. And in my mother's side, I guess, from the, the Vilna Gon. So we actually have, you know, both sides of, uh, of Jewish uh, tradition in many ways that go back several centuries. Uh, and I've been fascinated by, uh, you know, having been raised in an Orthodox uh, tradition, I've been very much interested from the time I was uh, very young and brought to the Mujitzer, uh, you know, uh, Stiebel in Brooklyn, uh, very much interested in the Hasidic community and read with great uh, interest and enthusiasm many of the memoirs that people began writing 
uh, over the past few decades of people's stories of having grown up in ultra-Orthodox communities and leaving those communities. Uh, in some cases, the very traumatic leaving, in many of the cases, uh, and having left uh, for a variety of reasons. And it's something that I've been, you know, very uh, interested in and started as a scholar of Jewish American literature, started to uh, to read with a, a critical eye towards thinking about this as sort of a new genre. And uh, I wasn't really thinking so much of a, of a book on this until uh, my co-editor, Jessica Lang, approached me about this when I had been talking about recent memoirs. Um, Jericho's memoir, Shulam Dean's, a bunch of others at a conference that we were at together. And she brought up the idea that we should do uh, a volume on this and that she was doing a conference actually that was dealing with these issues in New York later that year. And I thought it was a fantastic idea and uh, wholeheartedly uh, jumped into the project with her. And it's just been such a, a remarkable group of people to work with and to get to the point where, uh, where the book is finally out and to hear all the voices and to, to you know, uh, shepherd them through the process, the editing process of uh, uh, to get to the point of the finished book has been really uh, a tremendous joy to, to see that happen. Oh, uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, Jessica, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what brought you to this project? Yeah, thank you so much, Ezra, and thanks for, for gathering us together here. I'm really honored to be able to present with uh, my co-editor, Ezra Capel, and two wonderful contributors who I've had the pleasure of working with in other settings as well, uh, Jericho Vincent and Frida Weisel. Um, and I'll start first, I think, with the genesis of this volume, which, as Ezra mentioned, came out of a conference I organized at Baruch College. It's an annual conference. And this one was dedicated um, a little bit unusually for a conference uh, to the kind of trajectory of Hasidism starting in the old world, starting in Eastern Europe and the Pale. Um, and then there were about a few panels, two or three, that traced uh, kind of the journey of Hasidism through um, immigration to early America, post-Holocaust, uh, and the, the final panel of the conference was a panel that focused on departure from ultra-Orthodoxy. And that panel was dedicated to uh, memoirists and writers who had published their own experiences um, leaving their communities. And the, we had a keynote speaker, um, Nathan Englander, who, who both in some ways identifies as off the Darach, and it would be interesting to think about what that means, but I'll leave that for a later question. Um, but another kind of interesting, I think really interesting feature of Englander's work is that many people who either contemplate leaving their communities um, or end up doing exactly that hold his work in high regard. Um, it's something that um, inspires them or is a, a, some kind of resource for them. Um, and I find that I find that intriguing and um, you know a fascinating kind of uh, resource. So this this con you know I, I host an annual conference um, at Baruch College where I'm on the faculty, um, and we generally get very good turnouts for our conference. But this conference and this, especially the last two segments of it, the the panel 
on Off the Derech Authors and then our keynote speaker um, generated a kind of attention that I had never seen before, both positive and negative. And, um, you know, go, you know, in the just advertising for the conference, we went through our, our normal our normal methods, like we have an email list and, you know, we post things on social media and that kind of thing. Um, and we had lots and lots of interest and hundreds and hundreds of reservations. But I also was hearing a lot of negative um, feedback and criticism. Someone, a, a colleague, I don't know who this person, I didn't know him personally, but um, someone at Baruch actually tried to shut down the conference. Um, so I was... I've never done, you know, as an academician, it's true, there are plenty of controversial topics out there. Um, but my my work in Jewish studies has never touched on them before. Um, and I was really intrigued at just the kind of attention that this conference and especially this panel was generating. Um, and I decided that this was worth uh, kind of investigating further. Um, and the conference itself was so rich and I thought so important to a field that in some ways was just kind of bursting out of its seams in academic discourse that I approached Ezra and we decided that we would put together a volume that reflected kind of the breadth of the conference. And this is an unusual volume in that Half of it is actually narrative, personal narrative and memoir, and half of it is academic interrogations of the concept of, of off the derech. Um, and the academic side is interdisciplinary. It's really coming many, it, it, the authors of the, the academicians who are represented in, in that second half of the book uh, represent many different disciplines. Um, so it's a it's a far ranging volume, and it's also really not typical of an academic book because it's a composite of a range of disciplines, and it crisscrosses into personal narrative and academic discourse. Um, in many ways, I think the volume actually represents my personal background and my life, um, which uh, you know I come from an academic background. My parents are both uh, professors of philosophy. I come, my family history is one that is, uh, you know, if you go back um, a few generations, very religious, um, and then, you know, becomes more modern orthodox and um, kind of unclassifiable, if you will, like at a certain point. Um, so I, I kind of resist uh, identifying my own religious um practices, um, you know, always happy to talk about them, but I don't think they're that important here. Um, so in many ways, I feel like the volume was personal to me, but also professionally, um, just very interesting to meet and have a chance to read and cultivate and support the work of um, over 20 really amazing, amazing authors. I hear you. Thank you for that. Um, Jericho, why don't you share a little bit about your background and well, what brought you to, to your contribution for this volume? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's so wonderful to get to speak with you and everybody else who's here. Um, I grew up in a rabbinic, ultra-Orthodox, yeshivish family. I had a very devout childhood um, and then ended up being pushed out of my family as a teenager when I started to push 
against some of the rules and boundaries of my culture. Um, and I went through a really rough time for many years, like many people do, or especially used to, before there was a lot of support available for people leaving the ultra-Orthodox communities. Um, and, you know, I, I dealt with sexual violence, I dealt with extreme poverty, but the thing that was really hardest for me in my experience was the loneliness. I didn't know anybody else at the time who was going through what I went through. Um, I didn't have anybody I could talk to. I was, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, living alone in New York City, and, you know, working a job, eventually going to college, but inside going through this tormented process of breaking apart the person I had always thought I was going to be, the person I always thought I was. Um, and I made this promise to myself that if I survived this transition one day, I would tell my stories so that nobody else had to be alone the way that I was. Um, and then many years later, I did that. I published my memoir, Cut Me Loose, in 2014. Um, and there was this really thrilling coalesce, coalescing of this community of other people who had left the ultra orthodox different ultra orthodox communities um, in the late twenty or the, sorry the early twenty tens. And I got to be a part of that community, which was just revelatory to be around so many brave, brilliant people who had gone through very different kinds of journeys. Um, and then we started to build our own identity as being people who are off the derech. And it's kind of a, a, a magical thing to be a part of a, a new community forming. I mean, I think that's a really rare experience and really exciting. And there was so much good work and good activism and good storytelling that was happening at that time. Um, and, you know, since then, I've been active in community organizing and continuing to write about my experience and related themes. And there's been a growing interest in the off the derrick experience. And I've learned to be quite wary when people approach me with off the derrick projects, because it's very easy to turn voyeuristic or vulture-like um, when you're trying to um, get involved in a project like this. Um, but when Ezra and Jessica approached me with this, I was just thrilled because, well, I knew them both personally and I knew how they were both serious scholars. And I also knew that they, they were both, they just had that sensitivity um, to understanding what, uh, what the off the Darrell experience was like and, and what you really need to bring to working on a project like this. And I love that they have the academic next to the personal narrative because I think it's so easy to just put together an academic book and not let the subject themselves speak. And to let both of those stand next to each other, I think, was an act of deep respect and created a volume of great beauty. And I feel really honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, Frida, could you share with us a little bit about your background and what brought you to this project? Let's see. Why don't we uh, go to to Ezra? And, and uh, I was wondering if you could share with us... Um, what do you see as the main insight or theme um, that you hope uh, readers will take away from your contribution to the volume? Wow. Well, you know, um, it's interesting because we weren't really sure where uh, Jessica and I to put my chapter, right? Because um, it, it really straddles both sides of the book in terms of my own narrative and story, as well as the academic background that I bring to it in terms of the scholarship and the analysis of other uh, wonderful works of, uh, of OTD uh, literature that have come out, including some of my panelists uh, who are right here, right? Um, you know, Jericho and Frida uh, both contributed chapters in the narrative section. And, uh, and so for me, um, I wanted to, to show how, you know, first of all, in all the work that I do in terms of uh, 
my scholarship, I also try to bring in the uh, the uh, the narrative side to that to show that the divide isn't as, as great as we. Well, so, you know, one of the aims of, of the book as a whole is to try to think about supporting those who are uh, members of the OTD community and to have uh, their brave stories told uh, in one place in this volume uh, is itself an important, uh, an important way of honoring the journeys that they've taken. But um, the other part of it also is just for people out there to understand uh, with more nuanced uh, the actual stories of these folks, both from their own personal stories, but also from a large group of academics that could shed light on different aspects of their journeys and why they felt the need to leave uh, and how they got to where they are. And uh, as well as telling the stories of these communities themselves in some ways, right? In the beauty of these communities, there's a lot that, uh, there's a lot that is gained in in the movement out but also a lot that is lost and that is part of the, the process of telling these stories as well uh in my in my particular chapter i wanted to look at some of the ways in which uh, orthodoxy in america has gotten to the point uh in some ways where it's not a place which is celebrating let's say the diversity of the orthodox community uh and therefore people who feel different who are different, who believe uh, slightly different things. There doesn't need to be space for them oftentimes in these communities. And I was trying to show uh, how we got to that place and what some of the consequences of that uh, of that lack of understanding can be for individuals. And uh, fortunately, I think uh, to a certain extent that is beginning to change. I'm hoping that our volume helps contribute to that. Uh, there have been a number of conferences recently, you know, whether it's a good Israel or whether it's OU. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think there's by now acknowledgement that this is a serious issue uh, and that hopefully our volume will help people understand this and help solve some of the very serious issues that are there uh, so that people don't feel, as, as Jericho just talked about, how alone she was when she when she left the community. I think that is a, a common experience for many people who uh, who leave or are asked to leave their communities, uh, and as a result, uh, there's there's a certain violence, of course, in that process of being ripped from the only community a person has known. And so, I was trying to show uh, in my piece uh, some of the uh, some of the consequences of, uh, of those uh, behaviors and those community attitudes, which hopefully are, are beginning to, that our book uh, off the Dara can contribute towards healing. With, uh, without any further ado, uh, uh, Frida, why don't you share with us a little bit about your background and what brought you to this project? I want to I want to reiterate what the others said um, about the wonderful opportunity to work with others in the Off the Derch um, community. Uh, I grew up in the Satmar community the Hasidic sect, which is very, very insular. I was raised in Curious Joel in upstate New York in a family of 15. I really knew very little about the outside world until um, well into my 20s. My marriage was arranged at 18. I had a son, my son, Seth, um, and I ultimately left the community with Seth. And 
the experience, the formative 25 years of my life of being in the communities really shaped me in so many ways, even at times when I completely forget this part of me, when I feel quote unquote normal, I find that my entire perspective of the world is so shaped by having grown up in the ultra Orthodox community. And something that I find is frustrating and challenging and, and, good all at the same time is that many people on the outside are fascinated by our stories. Um, yet at the same time, they see a very um, simplistic, uh, they hear, they fit our stories into very simplistic narratives. And uh, it's often very hard to, to be heard outside of those narratives, to communicate what our experiences were like outside of that. And what I really appreciated about this volume, um, it was such a fantastic surprise when, when reading it, is that really it, it brings together very different voices and it allows for the narrative to expand a little. It gives us from the community a little bit of an opportunity to explore our journeys in a way that, that goes beyond the limited formula in which we're often squared into. So um, I was I was really delighted to, to get to contribute because I often want to share, but I also feel like th it's very hard to to share where we come from without people forcing what we say to, to be like, oh, I ran away and um, it was so oppressive, you know, these these limited tropes. So it, it it's really something that I think is very, very valuable to allow the voices from, from such an interesting journey to, to emerge into a collected, um, diverse um, ensemble of different people's experiences. And I don't know, I, I had trouble writing at the time. This was, this was many years ago. I, I decided at some point, Jessica was very, very sweet about it. I decided to do a, um, a cartoon version of, of a narrative and, and it was very fun. It was light and, and it, it told a different side of the story. Speaking of which, and since we have you and we're so glad that we have you, um, could you also share with us what you see as sort of the kind of main theme or idea uh, that you hope that readers walk away from, from your piece? Well, I I did my illustration around the the question of why did you leave or what was that single moment when you decided to leave? And I tried to do a light illustration of all of those moments when your faith is a little bit, there's a little crack in your faith that ultimately builds towards leaving. But the, the subject I felt was valuable to explore is that a lot of people imagine the process of losing faith to be very, very straightforward. There is a deception or there is a incorrect belief system and then there is truth and that truth is discovered and then you lose the, the faith and you now know the truth. But in reality, our process of of understanding the world is constantly evolving and we never know, oh, this is the moment we have found something that changes everything. Oh, this is the truth. It's rather a slow process of 
evaluating pieces of information that ultimately builds into a, oh, I see the world differently now. And there's never that fantastic symbol that this is it. You found it. You discovered the treasure chest with tons of gold coins. You don't know. Maybe what you've discovered now is wrong. And what I think is very valuable is to keep in mind that people who rethink their world from the ultra-Orthodox community and come to embrace a secular worldview aren't necessarily correct. You know, that's a very simplistic worldview. Rather, there is not so much a single correct view, but we keep building and redefining and re-understanding our worldview. And, and to think that there is a single truth is very limiting. It's how I understood the world when I was in the community and what was ultimately the journey of leaving was the process of constantly being open to rethinking and re-understanding the world and asking again, is this truth? Is this the where I am actually, you know, truthful to, to myself? Am I honest? Is it, you know, does that make sense? Um, and so always being open-minded, even after you've arrived to a place where everyone says, hallelujah, you've made it. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that, Frida. Um, why don't we go to Jericho? Uh, 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 why don't we go to Jericho and, and uh, hear from you a little bit about um, what you think of as kind of a, one of the key themes that you hope readers take away from your contribution? Um, I, there were two key themes in my contribution to this anthology. One was an, an insider theme. Um, for people from the community, from the Orthodox community or from the community of those who have left, um, which is that, you know, for the Orthodox community, there's often, and those who leave, there's often this debate about why did you leave? Did you leave for intellectual reasons or did you leave for emotional reasons? And intellectual reasons are somehow seen as almost legitimate and emotional reasons are absolutely not. Um, and the essay that I contributed is all about passion and emotion. And it's me coming out and saying, you know, judge me however you want. I am claiming this. This was a legitimate reason for me to leave. There's nothing embarrassing. You don't have to fit within this framework of having passions and emotions and that being a motivation to question your life and rebuild your life is, is somehow um, less worthy. So that's kind of the insider message. Um, and then the theme for just the average reader um, is that I talk a lot about how, um, you know, I suffered a lot as an ultra-Orthodox child. But when I left, I also lost a huge amount. And it's easy to say, you know, either ultra-Orthodoxy is romantic and beautiful or it's, you know, it's dank and desperate and miserable. But it's really a combination. And I wanted to just highlight that point that I'm so glad I left. I, I feel so grateful that I left. And also having left, you know, ripped some piece of my soul out of me. And I'm going to suffer from that for the rest of my life. Right, right. I hear you trying to to make sense of these very different um, these di different parts of this of this process of this journey. Um, uh, thank you. Um, let's move to Jessica. If you uh, could please share with us what you see as uh, one of the key themes or or ideas that you hope readers come away from your contribution. I think one of the great myths of probably any fundamentalist religion, and I am, I guess, making a statement that ultra-Orthodoxy is in some ways a fundamentalist religion, 
is that it is monolithic. And um, I think in certain ways, ultra-Orthodoxy feeds this because of the insularity of the communities that are most visible, visible because of the clothes and um, specific styles of the members of that community. In fact, these communities are not monolithic and the experiences of the people leaving these communities are equally diverse and wide ranging, comprised of many, many different choices and moments um, and decisions relationships. Um, it's so it, it's just, uh, it impoverishes the narratives of all of all people who decide to leave these communities by attributing a kind of sameness to them. And what this volume really wants to do, and I think we we succeed, but I think there's more work to be done in this area, um, is to really offer a diverse array of voices. Um, This is a global experience, this experience of leave-taking and departure. Um, No no two stories are are the same. And the academic work being done on um, the OTD community is also, I think, importantly diverse um, and probably needs to be even more diverse. So coming from a range of fields in the social sciences and, and humanities. Um, so I think the, those, those are the broad goals of this. And I just want to speak especially about uh, Frida and Jericho's contributions because they really, you know, Frida contributed a graphic narrative, which is just stunning. And my big regret is that it could be the color had to be taken out through the publication process because um, our, our publisher just couldn't handle that. Um, and, and Jericho's contribution, in addition to, um, in, you know, referencing what she, she was speaking about earlier, this kind of um, two-sided goal is also just so rich in its biblical references. Like it's so grounded in her own, particular history. Um, So I I really recommend that I'm going to just put in a little pitch here that uh, not only should should listeners read their stories in this volume, but really seek out their other works because it's just so, uh, so valuable. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, And certainly uh, uh, a really good idea to do that. I want to thank all the listeners for uh, hanging with us. I know we've had some technical difficulties, but it might not be such a a bad um, uh, symbolic point that just like uh, with a program today, it's literally hard sometimes to hear people's voices and have their stories come through in a clear and and accessible way. And I think it might symbolize the challenges that this volume and these type of writings face uh, when trying to enter the marketplace of ideas. And there's so much extraneous noise and background disturbances uh, that cast uh, narratives in particularly narrow or shallow ways uh, and where all sorts of voices are excluded from the discussion. Um, this might be a good reminder of the challenges of all those who leave the ultra-Orthodox uh, Jewish community and then try to enter the, the, the public arena to 
express their experiences and share their wisdom and all of the the hurdles that they have to face to do that. Um, Before we conclude, I wanted to ask each of of you um, if you could say a little bit about um, what your uh, current or future projects might be. Um, Why don't we start with... um, uh, with Ezra, if you could share a little bit about either something that you're working on now or a new project that you anticipate working on in the near future. Um, sure. Um, one project I'm working on right now is called Letters from Rendonk, and uh, it is uh, a family memoir uh, that deals with a trove of letters and postcards that my great uncle, a Holocaust survivor, gave me uh, a few years ago after the passing of both my grandparents. Uh, these are letters that my grandfather wrote when he was a prisoner at Brendan concentration camp uh, in Belgium to his, uh, his fiance at the time, uh, a woman uh, named uh, Sprinza Isa Glixman, uh, whom he later married after he was finally released from Brendan. And ultimately it's a tragic story that she was uh, taken uh, and sent uh, as well to Brendonk and then to Mechelen and uh, perished at Auschwitz. And uh, these postcards, these letters tell uh, the story of uh, uh, their story of, uh, of attempting to, uh, to be there for one another through uh, most unbelievable situations. And uh, at the same time, they tell the story of the family and uh, lead to other stories within uh, that are hinted at in each of those letters, postcards, uh, and telling the larger story of uh, the history of the family uh, in Belgium uh, and uh, and the fate of Belgian Jews during the Holocaust. Wow, that sounds really really fascinating. We look forward to. Uh, seeing that. Uh, uh, Jericho, why don't you share with us if you have uh, a current or future project that you're working on? Yeah, I'm working on a mixed genre um, book manuscript about the transmission of intergenerational trauma. Um, and I am also a student in rabbinical school. Wow. Wow. That, that's, well, obviously that's uh, uh, um uh, you know, things that we, we have to have a whole nother program about. I think it's a fascinating uh, turn that your life is taking as you were uh, kind of uh, alluded to before where you were saying how, you know, of course you went away from your ultra-Orthodox uh, background, but it's not that, you know, now you're completely disconnected from all of, you know, a Jewish history and culture, but on the contrary, you still feel a deep attachment to it, but in different ways than, uh, you know, than how, uh, you know, you were raised. So, wow, that's really um, fascinating. Um, Jessica, would you like to share a little bit about a current or future project? Yeah. Um, so I'm working on a, another Off the Derach manuscript. Um, and this one is is more kind of... Um, I guess focused, uh, more narrowly focused. Um, so one of the things that fascinates me about this genre of um, writing that's coming out of the Afaderach movement is that it occupies a special place in, in Jewish American literary studies. It's one of the newest kind of uh, branches of the field, but it also really resonates with the history of Jewish American narrative 
um, you know, the story of assimilation is the story of Jewish American literature. And so um, this new work explores those ties, um, the kind of similarities, but also the real differences between um, these two movements, one coming out of 21st century with all of the modernism and technology that that era evokes, um, and the other coming out of a period of geographic separation from um, family and from the old world and from practices associated with it. Wow, that sounds really fascinating. Thank you. Um, let's see, do we have Frida on the line? Let's see. Do you hear mm -hmm. me? Yes. 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 Uh, great. I'm so glad you're, you're here. You're, it's coming through. So I was just asking uh, um, if you uh, could speak a little bit about a current or future project that you're working on. Well, I am a tour guide in Jewish Brooklyn. I am the only one to specialize in the Williamsburg neighborhood. And it's work that I am very proud of and I love a lot. And it's very challenging because it means visiting the Hasidic community with um, guests um, that are from the outside and being a little bit of a cultural translator. Um, some of you have been on my tour and it's been something that I've, I've really seen as, as a personal growing experience, but also as a way of learning about the world while also um, learning about the, my past. And right now, unfortunately, everything is pretty much in limbo, which I didn't count on. I didn't expect. Um, so I'm busy with some other things. I'm hoping to finish my master's degree, which has been on um, the back burner for a long time. And so I'm working on some coursework this fall and um, we're sort of recalibrating with a, with a um, coronavirus has been necessary to rethink when you're um, doing work in tourism. And um, I'm hoping to always, you know, my passion continues to be, in, in trying to understand the world, both the past and the one that I'm in now. So I'm doing some writing. I always run a blog. I've run a blog since I was a 21-year-old mother in the Hasidic community. And um, I'm doing some um, work of publishing a, a serialized personal um, memoir through Patreon on my blog, um, which I hope will um, people will find interesting. But it's always coming from my past and reflecting where I am um, in my place now that, you know, I find different creative ways to do that often through writing or drawing or, or leading people through the streets of New York city. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to share your thoughts with us today. Uh, we heard, just heard from uh, four contributors to the new volume, Off the Derech, Leaving, the Orthodox, Leaving Orthodox Judaism, uh, published by the uh, State University uh, Press. Uh, we heard from Ezra Capel, Jessica Lang, Jericho Vincent, and, Leia, and Frida Weisel. Uh, thank you all so much for being here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I want to thank the listeners uh, for joining us and for sticking with us with all of our technical difficulties. Um, thanks so much and have a wonderful day. Take care now.